cloud. Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome to another tweet breakdown at the Bitcoin Stoa. In this episode, Eddie and I are going to be breaking down a tweet by one of the most influential and badass humans in Bitcoin today, which is Michael Saylor. Uh, current Moscow time is 1582 at 706.049. And as a reminder, the Bitcoin Stoa is a community-funded platform. So if you enjoy listening, you can support the project by sending some sats to the QR code on our homepage at bitcoinstoa.com. And you can also stream sats using the Breeze app, which has a really badass podcast feature. So with that said, today's tweet is by Michael Saylor, and he made that tweet on September 8th, 2021. And the tweet says, if you aren't willing to own Bitcoin for 10 years, don't even think about owning it for 10 minutes. Boom. That's some <laughs> wisdom right there. That's a magic. So Short what, are your initial, what are your initial thoughts on that uh, sentence, Eddie? Yeah, yeah, it's it's short and sweet, and I really like listening to uh, Michael Saylor and his thoughts. So I really like this tweet, Nick. Um, my first thoughts are um, well, just to like literally just thinking about time. So ten minutes, ten years. I think about first thing that comes to my mind is like time preference. So that could be, um, I believe, if it was safety in that that uh, I'm not sure if he coined that term, but you know, how I can best understand time preferences. Um, if someone has a high or low time preference, if you have a high time preference, you want to get things now. Um, you like to get things quickly. And if you have a low time preference, um, you don't need it right away. Um, you have a little bit more, um, let's just say freedom with, with time and needing things. Um, but it does make me think about that. And it also, it also just makes me think about, um, like one of the reasons that I was initially pulled into Bitcoin and that was just because of the price. And, 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 but, uh, but my, my point is, is that it's, um, it's not a get rich quick scheme that it's, it's much more deeper than that. And that's, I think what this tweet is trying to relay. So. Yeah. I think it just goes to show that like Bitcoin is the ultimate delay of gratification and it's that old, you know, um, psychology test that they did with kids. It's like, you can either have a cookie right now, or you can have two cookies later. And I think humans are probably wired uh, evolutionarily to take the cookie now because there was never a guarantee you'd get two cookies tomorrow. But yeah, I think it's just a beautiful way of explaining the fact that like, if you're not willing to commit to the long-term process of learning about Bitcoin, um, you should probably just avoid buying it, right? Like um, Bitcoin is sound money that is best, in my opinion, accumulated and not traded. And you really only understand that mindset when you understand Bitcoin enough, when you understand money, actually. Um, and, you know, it's not for people trying to make a quick buck. You certainly can make a quick buck, but you can also lose a buck quickly. And, you know, it requires patience. And I think that's the essence of what he was kind of getting at. And, um, and along with that comes a lot of different things, right? Like emotional regulation and resilience and that whole notion that if you know the why, then the how doesn't really matter. And, um, yeah, I think... I think people fundamentally don't really understand the magic, the long-term magic of what Bitcoin does to your purchasing power as like a, uh, of an absolutely scarce new form of money, right? Like you can spend a dollar today, the, the actual choice based on historic, uh, like the history of the price of Bitcoin is like, you can spend a dollar today, or you can have hundred X that amount of purchasing power in a decade. And, you know, like for some people it's like, well, should I upgrade? Should I buy a bigger house today? Or should I literally have full financial freedom and never have to work again in a decade? And the cost there is uh, 10 years of holding, regardless of what Bitcoin does in terms of price action. 
And like, that's a pretty special thing, right? Like, no, I don't, I don't think financial freedom, full financial freedom, not having to ever work again has ever really been on the table. Like it is today, right? Like for someone who's young and getting into Bitcoin, you know, when I first started working at 15, if I took some of that money and put it into Bitcoin, well, I mean, that's almost unrealistic because that's like a long time ago, but it, it kind of holds true today. Right. And I think people's mental model of like, um, stocks where it's like, okay, Amazon goes hundred X. I'm kind of late because it can't go another hundred X, right? Amazon can only get so big. I think that mental model is brought over the Bitcoin, but it actually doesn't hold true because Bitcoin is like this gravitational field that constantly is absorbing value. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it's all about the long game. And how has, how has that, like, has that been true for you from the start? Like, do you remember the waves that you went through? Did you always carry that mindset or was it more of a, um, a gradual process for you? Yeah, it was definitely gradual for me. I would say like my initial um, interest in Bitcoin was first the price action. And I think that's typically like, you know, I've heard a lot of podcasters and um, just uh, thought leaders in the Bitcoin space talk about that, that, you know, the price is this really, it's kind of this special thing because it kind of brings people in. Um and it's funny because like the point that I'm at now, it's like, I, I don't really like talking about the price. Um, it's fun to, but that's not the... Um, Sometimes it's fun too. <laughs> that's true. That is true. Um, but I think that that it's much more, you know, it's much deeper than that. And then when you can really um, hone in on the fundamental values, like we've talked about in previous episodes of Bitcoin, it gives you that confidence. Like I, ha- I have the confidence in holding for 10 years. I have the confidence in holding for a lot longer than that. And that has taken um, time to feel those emotions and like, uh, feel like being able to regulate those emotions and, uh, and work through that. I mean, uh, you know, whether it is a, is a, is a positive or negative, you know, uh, volatility space, um, we are going to experience volatility. So I think that emotional point piece that you had mentioned is really important to, um, you know, because the conviction needs to be there or the emotion is going to take control. So I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Well said. And I think, I think everyone is attracted uh, initially because of the price, like the, the, the Delta of where it was and where it is now. And it's like, Oh, if it went up that much, I want to get in on that. And uh, I think for me, I always liked collecting rare things. Like I, I, it's, I've just always done this. I think my uncle, when I was really young, bought me like this little thing from the Canadian mint, which makes our coins here in Canada. It was like these special edition coins. And I literally think that that got me, um, into like wanting to collect rare things, whether it's, and now it's like, whether it's art, um, like I don't, it's not like super fancy art, but like unique things that people have created. I like collecting. And even when I worked at a bank, I would have this guy that would always come in and worked at a really old school gas station, brought in these like super old Canadian dollar bills that were like 50 and a hundred dollars. And they looked really cool because they were like 50 years old and they're really hard to find. And I would like swap those out and collect them. And so Bitcoin, I think I saw early on as this thing that I wanted to collect, knowing, I think just kind of knowing like this thing keeps going up. I can buy small amounts over time. My grandfather got me into dollar cost averaging with dividend reinvestment plans, like from an early age, because I started working early. And so this whole notion of accumulating um, plus I knew that if I sold someone made money, I would probably have to pay tax on it. So that kind of contributed to it as well. But the cool thing about Bitcoin is that it attracts people for reasons of like, um, sometimes greed or like personal, 
personal gain, right? Like you get into it for the money and you stay in it because of um, an understanding of money and wanting to build a better world. Like it's pretty, it kind of like tricks the greedy people into like investing in freedom technology and investing <laughs> in sound money for humanity. Like it's, it's this genius set of incentives that I don't, like I, I, I wish Satoshi was around. Well, I shouldn't say that. He'd probably be killed, unfortunately. Um, but like, I would really love to go back in time, find this entity and ask how deeply they thought about the game theory and incentives of Bitcoin. Because I don't know if it was like planned or if it's just this, I think it's like this emergent set of behaviors that happen almost like in a, in a bee colony, right? Like it's not, bees, individual bees are not that complex, but when they interact with each other, you get this emergence of these crazy um, collaborative effects that are not, that are, that only happen when all the bees are together. And it seems like Bitcoin is kind of like that. And it's kind of co-opting all these different industries and people. And, you know, you, you mentioned volatility. And this is like one of the first things people mention. Oh, it's too volatile. It, it goes up and down way too much. And, you know, oftentimes what I say to that is like, well, it's mostly up. If you look long term, like if you look long enough term, it's mostly up. And I would rather my purchasing power increase in a volatile way then decrease in a stable way, which is really what you get with like national currencies like the US dollar, Canadian dollar. And, you know, I think an important part is understanding where the volatility comes from. Like, why is it so volatile? And it's this really, it's this thing that we've never seen before, right? Like we've never, no one alive today has seen a good monetize in real time in society. So we, we don't know what this looks like. We've never seen it before. It probably looks like a, you know, like a, like a bubble, right? Um, if you, if you don't look deeper into it. And so I think, Every human that encounters Bitcoin for the first time is assessing its value based on the information they have. And obviously, as time goes on, they have different levels of information. Now, not only individuals, but also companies are starting to um, basically value it, evaluate the value of Bitcoin for the very first time. And so you have these waves of like interest when the price goes up, more people get into it, more people hear about it. You have waves of people that get in and, and you have more people that want to buy than want to sell. And that makes the price go up. But I think that What's really important to know is like over time, volatility is decreasing as the market cap of Bitcoin gets bigger. It goes from like this little life raft that gets beaten around in the ocean of currencies to like this essentially oil tanker as it gets big enough, which is very stable and hard to move. And volatility doesn't equate to risk. And it's not a bad thing if it's upside volatility. And I think these are things that people negate to like really assess. It's just like, oh, volatility is bad. Uh, it's risky. I can't do it. So I think, yeah, it's like, Bitcoin is the ultimate delay of gratification that rewards you for being patient. Um, any, any stories of friends or family that have gotten, cause I have friends that I got that have gotten burned were the people who wanted to hold it for a week and make money and just like lost money or, you know, like, um, and everyone I know that's held it long-term has just has the same kind of calm mindset with it where it's like, yeah, I just buy a little bit every week because I know that it's a good choice. And I, I understand it enough that my risk perception of putting more money into it is very low. What about you? Any stories from friends or that have been on the 10 minute side? Yeah. I have some personal stories, even that I don't mind sharing really. It's like, cause it's all a learning lesson, you know, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just a few points that I really liked, uh, you know, that you had mentioned Nick is like, in terms of just like wanting to buy things that um, hold value or that uh, could, you know, uh, possibly keep value or store value. Uh, you know, as like, as I get older, 
um, I'm always finding myself like looking, you know, oh, like, you know, I could get this, um, uh, this, this cheap backpack, or I could get something a little bit nicer, it's going to hold its value a little bit more, and it's going to last me probably 15 more years, you know, so I'm starting to think about that a lot more. And I think that, you know, it just goes like, it's a perfect, um, con, you know, it's a perfect example for this tweet from sailor, like 10 minutes, 10 years, like, you know, the reason that we want to save money is because, um, you know, we, we save money because of uncertain uncertainty in the future. And I've, I've, I've heard that said before. And I think that that is, um, really true because, you know, we wouldn't need to save money if our future wasn't, um, uncertain. And, uh, so I guess, you know, to, to kind of finish it off with a story. Um, yeah, like I, you know, I, uh, was so passionate, um, during this, you know, I guess we're still in it, you know, this 2020, 2021 bull run, um, that, you know, it was time that I felt confident enough to start talking to, um, my parents and also, uh, making larger, um, purchases myself, you know, in, into Bitcoin. And, um, I personally, you know, had, uh, uh, purchased the larger amount of Bitcoin, uh, at a at a peak and then i had to deal with the emotional um repercussions of that and i've done it twice and i'm still here you know so it, you know that goes to show something but it's really like you cannot think about things in in the 10 minute um you know high time preference uh you know blinders on you've got to like step back and look at the bigger picture because you know for one um you know i could have you know, I've had friends who I still am, am trying to orange pill who have bought in 2017 and lost all their money, you know, and so it, 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 it runs very deep. And I think that that's like if it's, it's, it's a good point to kind of hammer on is like that emotional piece. Um, it the conviction and the knowledge and the learning and the community help alleviate that. And I, I don't have any um, any. Uh, you know, second guesses about, you know, the decisions that I've made and, and, and things like that. But I don't know, those are kind of my like anecdotal stories. about. Yeah, about I definitely, it. I definitely have some of those too. I mean, I remember when um, I put like the, at the time it was the largest amount I had bought at one certain time. It was uh, like $1,500 Canadian and I did it. And then like two days later, and this, like, it is so hard to disconnect emotionally from the, from the price, right? Like it just, it just is, especially when like, all you have to do is pull out of your phone, which is in your pocket at all times. So the temptation is like, you feel the temptation rubbing on your leg at all, <laughs> all freaking times. Um, all you have to do is pull it out, press two buttons and you can see the price. And it's, it is literally a dopamine mechanism. I think it's the same thing as Instagram and so like Twitter or whatever, where you look at it and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's gone up like 5%. You're like, wow, I just made this much money. That's so cool. And then you look at it again, but it's like the, the joy that you get when the price is going up is directly is a direct mirror of the shitty feelings you get when the price goes down. And so my time metric that I've been telling friends and family is like, if you're not willing to hold it for at least four years, if you're not willing to put money in it and leave that money there and not touch it whatsoever for four years, because I think it's like three and a half years, any three and a half over any span of time in three and a half years, you would not have lost money. You might not have gained a whole lot if you timed it really shitty. And I think starting the conversation that way really lays the groundwork for them understanding this is a long game. Don't play if you're not playing the long game. That's only that's the only game to play here. Yeah. And I think it really reinforces like another thing I'm really mentioning to everyone that 
um, comes to me for help understanding Bitcoin is the importance of, of um, unemotional DCA planning. So recognizing being self-aware of your emotions as you look at the price, the good and the bad emotions, and knowing that it actually does you zero benefit to constantly be aware of the price. And I think DCA doing dollar cost averaging, which really just means regular buys at a certain interval, could be weekly, daily, monthly, whatever it is, of a certain amount, allows you to completely disconnect emotionally in the short term from the price, right? You'll probably get little touch points of people saying, oh, you see the price of Bitcoin, this and that or whatever, but it allows you to kind of ride the emotional wave by essentially getting off it and just allowing your plan. You make a one-time decision to purchase a certain amount of Bitcoin at whatever interval, at whatever amount. And oftentimes I'll check the price like, I don't know, every couple of weeks or a month, uh, or that that's at least what I'm striving for. Like right now, I'm still checking it like almost daily. It's just, I, I'm trying to kind of get away from that, but it's, it's on Twitter. There's like people I follow that are great and you're, you're going to come across it. Um, but, you know, sometimes I'll ramp up the DCA amount or ramp down. Like when the price is going crazy high, I'll ramp it down. When the price is um, falling, I'll ramp the DCA amount up and sometimes spot buy. But I think overall, it's like, if you go into this, when I first got into this, I wish someone would have said four year plus time frame, ideally a decade, DCA, be self-aware of how much you're checking it and what kind of dopamine bumps you're getting every time it happens and what kind of shitty emotions you're getting when it goes down and learn those lessons. And I think the hope is that with this, with this tweet breakdown, people can kind of absorb those lessons and have a better maybe uh, experience initially than what we had by learning those lessons firsthand. I mean, I think that's a really good point just because it kind of like just brings up one last point that I had is that like when I am talking to people, again, it just goes right back to the same thing. Like this is not a get rich quick scheme. It's it's like um, it's a get rich slow scheme. (laughs) It's it's a get rich slow scheme. But it's like, hey, you know, like in today's day and age, like, you know, there are so many articles that I read where it's like the average, you know, the average American has has no savings, has no money in their checking account. So it's like you know, um, like, let's go, everybody. Like, we got to think about our future. We got to take, you know, dollar cost averaging, I'll just add, is the, is the best way to minimize any, like, losses. And it's, like, the best way to to accumulate Bitcoin just because you're not going to be spot buying. So you're not going to be at, at the mercy of, of any swing in price. And so I think that, like, yeah, Nick, that's a really great thing to mention. Um, and, and on top of that, just to, to keep in mind that, uh, you know, the past 12 years, we've seen those three and a half, four year cycles um, in the having cycle, but, but it's a long game. And, and uh, you know, to be early, an early adopter for, you know, this revolutionary savings technology, we're not, you know, I'm not saving the money for a mi- two minutes from now. I'm saving it for, you know, um, to, to, uh, to, uh, for my future and for my future family and, and stuff. So yeah, it's the yeah. long game. I think uh, like two things. One, the whole thing I was getting with that $1,500 thing when I got burned and the price went down was like, I never bought big chunks again. I bought small chunks at regular intervals. And so I almost changed my spot buying to be more like DCAing and dollar cost averaging. Essentially, the, the goal is when you're purchasing something um, to buy more when the price is um, low and to buy less when the price is high. And the cool thing about DCAing is if you put a fixed value, it does that for you automatically. You don't have to do any of the math. It's like certain as a way to reduce your average cost by just doing regular buys. Um, can't remember the other thing I was going to say. Oh yeah, yeah. Time locks are starting to become it, like, I heard about time locks a while ago, 
and I think there's still a fringe, um, not fringe, but like a more technical, you have to be technically inclined to be able to navigate time locks, just like SegWit, right? Like, or not SegWit, um, uh, uh, multi-sig. So multiple signature smart contracts embedded within Bitcoin, same thing with time locks. And I, I think what I really like is like the cool thing about digital money, programmable money is that you can do these things where it's like, you could set it so that this wallet has a time lock, or I don't even know how it works. I haven't really gotten into it myself, but I do want to learn about it. You can set it so that either this UTXO or this wallet cannot be withdrawn from, from a certain period of time. If you can time lock a hardware wallet access for like 10 years, like that's the ultimate way to, <laughs> to like not even to basically deprogram yourself from having to be super resilient through all these cycles. Just say like, I don't even have the option to sell or to, to do anything with this until 10 years when this actually unlocks. So I don't know, stuff like that, I feel like will embed itself as time goes on, it becomes less for the highly technical people, more embedded into wallets. You know, you'll get wallets that integrate that in a seamless intuitive way so that like your grandma can do a time lock uh, DCA purchase on a regular basis. And it's like, that's some cool shit. Uh, anything to say before we, we close this one out? I think we did a pretty good job at just kind of dialing in that this is a long-term journey and it's not just long-term accumulation strategy. It's also a long-term learning process and deepening, uh, you know, the things that you're learning about that are related to Bitcoin. Cause we just did school of coin episode four. We talked about like Bitcoin forces you to learn about many things, not just money. And it's a great opportunity to improve your life knowledge. Um, but it really also requires a long-term commitment to learning, not just acquiring, but, um, learning. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, you know, I mean, um, definitely take it slow. And, uh, you know, the, the last thing that I would add is like, I, uh, I've, I've heard about the, the time locks, but again, that's something that's completely new to me. And, uh, just from a, a quick, like grab is it's like, you know, that's, that's the type of things that are, you know, people were trying to add on to Bitcoin years ago, but this type of stuff takes time and it's really exciting to see that stuff flesh itself out. So, you know, um, I'm in it for 10 years and I'm here well, much longer than that. And I'm here to, to see the technology, um, you know, kind of define itself uh, through that. And so, yeah, it was a really awesome tweet, Nick. Powerful. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Tweet breakdown. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we hope you got some value from that and we look forward to creating more episodes every week. Eddie and I are going to do these tweet breakdowns every week. And the eventual goal is for more contributors um, to do tweet breakdowns, like two random people that have a good tweet and want to record a breakdown. If you send it and it aligns with kind of what we're doing at the STOA, um, we'd love to post it at the STOA, like make it available at the STOA and also eventually um, compensate creators for submitting permissionless contributions to the STOA. That's kind of what this whole thing is about is a community funded project that gives us resources to fund different contributors who want to put awesome stuff out there in one central platform that anyone can come to. And so we hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it and enjoyed it, you can support the STOA by sending some stats to the QR code at the homepage at bitcoinstoa.com. Thank you for listening and we will catch you in the next episode. Ciao.